This is the Mental Health Revolution. Welcome to the Doorway to Self podcast with Rachel Leah Gerson. Hello and welcome back to the Doorway to Self podcast. My name is Rachel Leah Gerson and I am your host. It is so wonderful to be back here this week. I must admit, I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel a little bit <laughs> now releasing an episode every week for this month, but it is also really fun and it's been allowing my creative juices to flow and I've been really enjoying it and enjoying the feedback that you guys have been giving me as so many of you have emailed and messaged and let me know how much this podcast has affected you and helped you. And that's really all that I hope for is that this podcast is creating ripples, creating changes in the collective to where even if we just start individually one by one taking on a different standpoint, looking at life through a little bit of a shifted lens that it's going to ripple out and heal everybody on one wavelength or another. So today's episode, I know, very, very popular topic that a lot of people have been asking me to put out and everything in the universe said, it's time. And so here we are talking about astrology for mental health. Um, Just kind of going backwards here for a moment. If this podcast has touched you, I forgot to say this. If this podcast has touched you, I want to invite you to leave a review on iTunes because that makes it really, really helpful for folks to be able to find this podcast. And also, if you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can do so at donorbox.org. That's D-O-N-O-R-B-O-X dot O-R-G slash doorway to self. And half of the proceeds for this month are actually going to be going towards the scholarship fund for the door openers. So if you want to help boost a lovely lady through that program um, and helping her to really come into her own and her power and her sovereignty and therefore sending even more ripples out into the collective, I really want to invite you to donate. Um, And if you just want to donate to the fund and not to donor box or excuse me, not to the podcast, um, just put that in your note on donor box that you just want that going to the scholarship fund. So, um, yeah, and then I'll, I'll kind of take it from there and make sure that happens. All right. So jumping into our topic for today, may that multiply times three for all of us. You can see where my brain is kind of all over the place right now. Um, And that makes sense with what is going on in our skies. Uh, So it's a nice little segue here into our episode. So um, there are two main aspects to astrology for mental health. Uh, One is looking at what's actually going on currently in our skies. This is the one that most folks are familiar with, this idea of, oh, you know, what is the full, what sign is the full moon in, or what sign is the new moon in, or um, what planets are meeting in the sky. Um, Mercury retrograde has become a very popular one every year, um, or every four times every year, because that's how often Mercury retrograde happens. If you didn't know that, now you do. Um, So how do those aspects in the sky affect us in our daily lives? And the other thing to look at is your personal chart. So where were all of these things, the sun, the moon, the planets, the asteroids, etc., in the sky when you were born? And I look at that as though it's almost like a blueprint. So if you think of yourself as a house, this is your blueprint for how you were built. Um, And 
these two things obviously interact together as well. So for instance, if Mercury is going retrograde in the sign of Aries, and we'll talk all about, if, if you're completely clueless about all of this, I will be going into it, no worries. Um, I'm just using an example here. If Mercury is retrograde in the sign of Aries, and Mercury when you were born was in the sign of uh, Pisces, then that is going to be affecting you much, 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 much differently than your uh, best friend whose Mercury is in Sagittarius. Okay, so those are just things to look for as well. Um, these two, it's it's that middle area, right? I talk about the middle a lot. This is that middle area. Where do you as your blueprint meet the current skies? This, I think, you know, there's that yogic saying that I always bring up, the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. And I think that this, the way that that we approach astrology in this way for mental health really sheds light on kind of our societal dynamic as well, right? Who you are as a person is going to meet the collective as it is differently than your best friend as a person is going to meet the collective at any given moment. And that's why we see ups and downs in different people. Certain people might experience depression at certain points while others are feeling peace. Others might be feeling super amounts of anxiety and uh, others might be feeling um, really happy and excited. And so it just, it depends on so many different factors and, um, so yeah, let's get into the logistics of this though, because I think it's important, especially if you're listening and you're a skeptic and you're like, Psh, astrology, what? That makes no sense as to how that would be affecting anything whatsoever. Um, I want to talk about a little bit of the actual science behind this. So let's take a moment and just think about the way that our galaxy is positioned, right? We have the sun in the center, and then all of the planets are circling around the sun. They're circling at different rates. They're passing each other at different times in the sky. Um, depending which planet you're standing on, <laughs> others might be passing faster than others, um, etc. And so if we look at that, how is that all held together? Well, through the force of gravity. And if we think of ourselves on this planet being held here on Earth, through the force of gravity, that means that we too are part of that magnetic equation. We are part of what is being affected by the orbit of the earth around the sun, by the orbit of the moon around the earth, by the orbit of all of the other planets around us. We are constantly being affected by the gravity. Um, so that's one aspect to look at. Another aspect to look at is we as human beings are actually of the earth, right? Our bodies are made of earth substance. We consume food, which is earth substance. We are connected to the earth through the magnetite in our brains, we actually have, and I've talked about this on another episode, I, I can't remember which one, but we actually do have a substance in our brain called magnetite, um, which is a crystal, and it sits in the primal region of the brains, so the very base of the skull, back base of the skull, and it helps us to actually 
stay connected and in tune with the Earth's frequencies as well as with other human beings. So there are many different... We also have uh, quartz crystal in our ears as well. It's part of how we're able to hear. Um, We are so much a part of the Earth that in its orbit, it only makes sense that we would also be affected as though we're part of the gravity. So it's kind of the same thing I was saying before, but on a little bit of a deeper level. So that's what's going on with that. That's a little bit of kind of this more scientific piece. Additionally, I want to talk specifically about the moon as well, um, because the moon's a little bit different as to how it affects us. We're affected not only by the gravity, um, but also by the way in which the moon interacts with the water on our planet. So if we think of the fact that the oceans are controlled, the tides are controlled by the phases of the moon, We can also think about the fact that our bodies are over 70% water with a lot of salt. So doesn't it make sense then that if the moon is going to be affecting the tides, that it would also be affecting our internal tides as well, um, affecting the way that water is distributed throughout our bodies, how much we're releasing, processing, moving through us, um, how it's affecting our cells and maybe expanding or shrinking, um, feeling dehydrated versus feeling not dehydrated. And water is deeply associated with emotions as well. Um, Of course, it's on the energetic spectrum of things. We associate emotions with the ocean. It even rhymes. Emotions with water. Um, But if you think about it on a purely mental health, psychological level, If we are dehydrated, um, we're not going to do so hot, right? It's going to actually be affecting our mood a lot. Um, So those those are all of the scientific things to consider. Um, The art and science of astrology have been studied by civilizations throughout the entire world since the very beginning of time. Nobody can quite explain fully 100% why it works, but those are all of the reasons that I have come to find make sense for those of you who are a little bit more science-brained. This is my job here, y'all. I am the bridge. (laughs) I am trying to help all of you who don't get how this works to understand how it works. Um... And for those of you who are often, you know, the higher dimensions and coming to view life from that lens as I tend to as well, uh, well, I guess you're golden. So let's move into kind of how some of these things can affect our mental health. And the truth is there might honestly have to be a second, third, fifth part of <laughs> this episode because I there is so much I could touch on. There are so many different facets of this and how it does affect our mental health. So um, firstly, if you have never looked at your birth chart before, I really highly encourage you to do that. 
Um, you can do that for free at astro.com, at cafeastrology.com, at capricorn.com. I think it's Capricorn. Um, and Cap on Capricorn, you can actually pull up your 13 signs, 13 sign chart as well if you're curious about that. But that's getting into a whole other tangent, and that's going to be another episode at some other point in time. But um yeah, so if you've never done that before, what you need is your date of birth, your time of birth, and your place of birth. And what this does is it uh, helps to pull up exactly what the alignment of the planets, sun, star, moon, uh, or excuse me, planets, sun, moon, asteroids, etc., um, where all of those were at the exact moment that you were born in relation to the place that you were born. So remember I was talking about the gravitational forces and how this stuff works and that it's working because of the gravitational forces? Well, I like to look at it as though when you are being birthed, you are being born into the exact magnetic pull and frequency of everything that is surrounding you in the solar system at that point in time. So it's almost like the magnetite in your brain is being imprinted with the exact picture of what is going on in our skies. And that is what makes it your blueprint because it is then literally a part of you. You've been imprinted with it. And so that's why it affects you on a very personal level. Um, so I urge you to pull up your chart if you need help reading it. And I'm going to give you a couple of tips and tools here to decipher it on your own a little. It's Astrology is very complex and layered and complicated. Um, but if you want assistance in having this reflected back for you, if you want to book a basic session with me, I'm happy to go through your chart with you. You can do that through the website, doorwaytoself.com. Um, and the chart reading is also included in the journey program and journey apprenticeship program as well. So um, if you're interested in doing some deeper, longer work, um, then we can definitely take a look at that. Um and you can find that through the website as well. Um, also, I had on guest um, Rose Peace last week, and many of you loved that episode so much. She is also an incredible astrologer. Um, I highly encourage you to go get a reading from her as well, and um, she will walk you through all of the parts of your birth chart too. Um, she reads very differently than I do as well, so it might be cool to get both aspects too and see where those two things kind of marry and meet in the middle. So I want to encourage you to do that as well. Um, and I believe it's rosepeace.com is her website. So let's start. Let's start at the very beginning. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, I take that back. I don't know what I'm apologizing for because I am not sorry that that just happened. Um, <clears throat> let's start at the very beginning. So there are, and this is where I said it's layered, y'all. Um, there are two really important aspects to look at in a person's chart. The first being, where do the houses line up? And I'm going to talk about that. The second being, where are the planets placed? So what are the zodiacal houses, the astrological houses? Um, so 
If you do pull up your chart, I urge you to look at the picture. It's going to look like a bunch of gibberish and scribbles to you, but I really want you to try your hardest to look at this picture. And what you're going to see is you're going to see three circles, okay, with a bunch of lines through it. What this is, is a literal map of the skies when you were born, okay? What you're going to see is that center circle, which is tiny and filled in, is a representation of the earth, okay? You're going to see a line that goes across the earth horizontally. And what that is, is the horizon line. So that's literally what you are looking at when you're looking at this image, is the earth with the horizon line moving through it. And then we're going to move counterclockwise from the bottom of that horizon line, moving counterclockwise, so to your right, and going all the way around. And what that is, is the night sky. Those are the constellations. So everything below the horizon line is underneath the earth where you were born. Uh, everything above the horizon line is what was in the sky above when you were born. So that's essentially what you're looking at. And then you can see the symbols in that outer ring. Those are all of the symbols of the zodiac. And then you're going to see little tiny other symbols in that circle in the middle or in between the middle circle and the outer circle. This is confusing to explain verbally um, without the visuals. Um, you're going to see these little symbols and those little symbols are the planets. Um, so... Basically, what we're looking at is with the house system, it is where were these 12 placements, or if you're looking at 13 sign astrology, 13 placements of the signs of the zodiac when you were born. Why is this important? This is important because every single house denotes a different part of who you are and how you operate. And so what I find a lot of the time is that when I am working with clients, when I'm looking at their charts, when I'm uh, deciphering them for them, they will, what, what I do when I read, I say, please, if at any moment you have a light bulb moment, if you make a connection, if you understand something that you never understood before, please feel free to just start talking, interrupt me, and we can come back to wherever we are later. Um, because what happens is so much of the time, what's written in our chart does not actually fit into the prescribed norms of society. And so we gaslight ourselves. We think, oh, something's wrong with me. Oh, you know, there's uh, this trait of mine is bad or this trait of mine is abnormal or blah, blah, whatever. And when I start reading these charts, and I had this experience for myself as well. I've had this experience every single time I have looked at my own chart, every single time I've had my chart read for me, there is always a new epiphany of, oh, this is why I am the way I am. And it makes perfect sense. And it's okay because it's a part of my being. And so this is where the intersection between astrology and mental health happens. 
If you have gone back and you, and if you haven't, I encourage you to, if you have not listened to the very first episode of this podcast, albeit it's terrible recording quality, if you have not yet listened to that episode, you should. <laughs> because what it explains, in essence, is how mental illness stems from the fact that we are taught from young ages to disembody ourselves and therefore become filled up with other energies or other connotations or denotions of who we think we should be. And it's because of that that the symptoms of mental illness begin to develop. And they begin to develop, and I am said this in that episode, but I feel like it's important to repeat again, especially in this day and age. Oh my goodness. If we think of the common cold, and I know that might be taboo to bring up right now, but I'm going to anyways. If we think of the common cold, what do we experience? We experience symptoms of maybe a runny nose or a cough or fatigue or something like that. Please note, what did I just say? We experience symptoms, okay? The coughing, the sneezing, the whatever, that's not the actual cold. The actual cold is foreign bodies that have entered into our physical vessel. They are wreaking havoc on us and we are coughing, sneezing, etc., to try and expel them from our bodies. So when we look at mental illness from that same lens, we can think of it in the way of when other energies are in our bodies that are not ours and that are not supposed to be there, the brain begins to chemically react to those things. Okay, the chemical reaction is the same parallel to the idea of a sneeze or a cough with a cold. That's what's happening. I'm going to take a moment to just say this is my theory. This is all theory that I'm speaking right now. I have not done thorough, chemically tested, scientifically observed um, testing on this and research on this. I have done peripheral research on this through seeing hundreds of clients over the last five years, uh, almost, um, which I can't believe, but I can't believe it's almost been five years. Um, but I know this to be true for myself. I saw it happen when I was diagnosed with bipolar one and then got my diagnosis taken away after I filled myself up with myself. And the more I fill myself up with myself, the healthier I become, the less episodes of anxiety I have, the less episodes or less frequent and less prolonged and less intense episodes of depression I have. And there are still going to be bouts. I'm going to be completely transparent and honest here. There are still bouts of depression that I do experience from time to time. Um, 
But it happens because I am void of my energy in some way, shape, or form, whether that's because I'm going through a major transition and so my own energy is needing to recalibrate to like, oh, whoa, wait, what is this? (laughs) What is this new energy? I need to recalibrate. And so like maybe there's this kind of dip period before I come back up, but you know, it's, I'm cognizant of that. And I understand that that's how it's working. And so it doesn't really bother me anymore. It's just like, oh, okay, I feel really down. And what's going on right now? Oh, yeah, I'm recalibrating. I am integrating. I am learning how to be this new version of myself. And so that's what's up. Um, But anyways, I digress. The whole reason I brought this up is because you are written You are literally written with the stars. The stars write you. And when other people in our lives, especially at young ages, tell us that the way that we are written is not the way that we are supposed to be, guess what happens? We start to experience symptoms of mental illness. And a lot of the time, what that looks like is beginning to embody the maladaptive patterns that come with each of the signs that are associated, okay? So I'm going to go through and I'm actually going to read the list. I've made a list of signs and what um, my dear friend Karen Robertson, she's a wonderful social worker in Grand Rapids. She does couples counseling. Um, Definitely go check her out if you need something like that. But a couple of years ago, she and I taught a workshop, uh, Astrology for Couples, or I can't remember exactly what it was called, but she had this lovely perspective of calling it the shine and the shadow, which I really, really loved because it wasn't, you know, I've always heard like the pros and cons of each sign or the um, the uglies and the, uh, you know, good things or the positives and negatives or, you know, whatever. And I think it's important to not think of the shadow as a negative thing, but as something that we've developed to be able to survive. It's a maladaptive coping mechanism. And so it's important to note that every single one of us, remember I was talking about the houses, every single one of us has every single one of these signs in our chart. Okay, so even if you're like, oh, I'm an Aries, that's just because that's where the sun was. But if you look at the eastern horizon line and you look all the way around the globe, a single sign of the zodiac is not just going to suddenly disappear because you were born. (laughs) I mean, unless unless you're hardcore 12 sign astrology and that 13th sign is missing and blah, 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 blah. But again, that's another rabbit hole to go down at some other time. So um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to list off each one of these signs and what might be manifesting as um, mental illness or as symptoms of maladaptive coping skills that could lead to symptoms of mental illness. Um, And then I'm going to read the opposite and kind of what it looks like to be really healthy in that sign. So without further ado, we're just going to jump right into the first sign of the zodiac and go all the way around. And the first sign is Aries. So um, Aries is a fire sign. And it's important to note, I didn't speak about the elements, but it is important to note what the elements are here as well. We have um, three of each, three fire, three water, three earth, and three air. Um, 
It's important to note that because whatever element is accompanying a certain sign, that's also something that can be shamed or put down or whatever just based on the elements. So let's actually go there first and talk about that first. So um, the with the, the fire signs, um, with fire signs, fire signs are known for being extremely driven, very passionate, lots of creative energy, kind of maybe all over the place, um, extremely flammable. Um, so we might see fire signs with uh, a lot of anger issues, potentially. Um, that would be a maladaptive coping thing, um, unless it's managed in a correct, proper, healthy way. Um, so yeah, those are kind of some of the things that we see with fire signs. Um, with earth signs, we see it's, they're very grounded, they're very practical, um, very into safety and security, um, anything they can do to make themselves feel secure. Um, and because of that, they can also sometimes get bogged down, stuck, um, etc. Air signs uh, are known for being um, kind of aloof um, and maybe not very connected to reality sometimes. Um, they're very talkative, uh, extremely social creatures, um, and very creative as well. Um, so that would be the air. And then with water, water is incredibly emotional and very intuitive and very sensitive. Um, so, and very fluid, obviously. So those are some of the things to look for with the, with the elements. Um, all right. So moving into the first sign of the Zodiac, we've got Aries here. Um, and right out the gate, because Aries is the first sign, it's going to have that extra oomph, that extra motivation, that extra passion, creative. Um, I mean, this is major creation energy, right? Like it's being, it's, it's the firstborn, it's being birthed out. Um, so let's talk about the shadows here. Aries can get bored very, very quickly. Okay. This is like a flame that kind of like lights up and then easily fizzles out. Okay. Cause it gets really excited really quickly and then kind of fizzles out. And so what we can see here is that other people might gaslight that and be like, oh, you know, why can't you stick to a project that when you start one, like you never finish things or, um, your ADD. Yeah. The Aries with ADD diagnoses. Oh yeah. I see that in my office all the time. ADD, ADHD with Aries. Um, we can also see uh, lots of anxiety with Aries, uh, especially if they feel really shamed for not being able to finish things or for being too much or too creative. Um, we can also see symptoms of bipolar disorder um, because of that constant like spurt of energy that could happen. So if like a big rush of creative comes through, it could manifest as a manic episode um, and then people shaming you for having that creativity could lead to depression because you start to stifle that creativity. I feel this talking to somebody right now, and I'm so sorry that you're going through that, my dear. Seriously, um, to anybody who relates to any of these things, I, um, I, I, I feel for you. I feel for you big time. 
because it sucks to hear this. It sucks to hear, oh, yeah, you were supposed to be this way. Um, and everybody else uh, really sabotaged that for you and had you develop maladaptive coping skills. Um, so let's talk more about the shadow. Quick to anger can be egotistical. So we can see a lot of um, NPD, narcissistic personality disorder stuff with Aries folks. Um, but again, that's a shadow side, right? So keeping keeping track of yourself and knowing like where am I coming across as like super self-centered or egotistical um, versus where am I coming across as being very prideful of the, the passionate projects that I have created. Um, and also Aries can be incredibly sensitive and easily hurt if their ideas are not accepted. So Aries is kind of like the idea guy, right? Like Aries is like the person who comes to the table of like, let's do this. Oh, I have this idea. I have this idea. And they think they're all that. And sometimes they really, really are. Um, and sometimes they're not. And so learning how to heal your wounded ego is going to be key here. With the shine for Aries, um, Aries is spontaneous and passionate and bold and outgoing and excitable and innovative and creative. So um, learning how to transform those shadow pieces into the shine. Um, moving into Taurus, Taurus is an earth sign. Um, and the shadows with Taurus is that they can sometimes get overly consumed with the idea of keeping everything normal, comfortable, and safe. Um, this is huge. Okay. So I see a lot of Taurus folks who have OCD because it's a lot about like trying to keep themselves managed and keep control over their environment. And then also, of course, um, people with OCD who have kind of the more severe symptoms of paranoia and panic of somebody coming after them or um, constant thoughts of something bad happening, preoccupation with that, um, you know, that's that's all a threat to that Taurus safety. So trying to hold on to something that um, helps them to feel safe, that's why we see a lot of development of that diagnosis, diagnosis in Taurus um, or folks with really high Taurus energy or a lot of planets and Taurus in their charts, etc. Um, so we can see that, um, of course, accompanying that, tons of anxiety can develop. Um, we can also see things develop like um, eating disorders as well, anything that can control. So the thing with Taurus is that it's an incredibly sensual sign. It's so sensual and so sensory. So anything to do with smells, tastes, touch, um, anything to do with the five senses, really. Um, and so what we can see is a Taurus who... Um, um, would binge eat and especially binge eating out of control or binge eating or, or like in order to control things or binge eating um, because food is such a comfort to them and they feel so safe when they have food or they feel so safe when they're full, um, things like that. Um, so we can see binge eating there. We can also see um, uh, purging or anorexic tendencies, um, trying to, again, control the environment, control the physical body in some way, shape, or form. We can also see development of sex addiction in Taurus. Um, sex is a huge thing for Taurus folks. I mean, it's basically the most sensory thing that we have on this planet is sex. Um, so they can get hyper-focused on sex. Hyper-vigilance is something that we see in Taurians as well, um, who, and 
again, these are all maladaptive coping mechanisms, right? It's it's all about what what do I need to do to keep myself safe? That's kind of the the motto of the fear-based Taurus. What do I need to do to keep myself safe? And the motto of the transformed shining Taurus is really like, what can I do to experience the most of life? How can I get the most fulfillment and experience every moment to its fullest? And so that's where we see the shine. And a shining Taurus is grounded and comforting. They're concerned with keeping stability and security, but not in a way that is um, overly rigid. Um, It's in a way that is more based in an internal security that they know that everything is going to be okay. Um, And especially if they kind of have their own healthy coping mechanisms to know that things are okay. Um, And of course, in touch with the sensuousness of life. So that's your Taurus for you. I feel lots of light bulbs going off already in people's brains. So that's really exciting. And I'm happy to be able to help with this. All right. So moving on to Gemini, which is an air sign. Um, so with Gemini, sometimes they are so focused. Gemini is an incredibly communicative sign. I mean, some might argue, including myself, that it is the most communicative sign of the entire Zodiac. They love, 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 love to talk. Um, and sometimes they can be so focused on that communication that the actual actions that are needed are not necessarily taken. Um, And so because of that, people can call them lazy or airheaded or um, like maybe they're not pulling their weights, unreliable, things like that. Um, Additionally, with Gemini, um, they are the sign of the twins. And so we can sometimes see this dual personality or dual perspective on things or um, polarity that might come here. Um, And so because of that, we can oftentimes see diagnoses for Geminis like schizophrenia, um, schizoaffective disorder, if you're not familiar with what that is, because it's incredibly rare. Um, it's basically the marriage of schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. It's both symptoms rolled into one um, diagnosis. Um, we can also see bipolar one and two. Um, Gemini is also incredibly creative as well. So if Gemini airs more towards the creative side, we might see bipolar one, whereas if Gemini airs more towards the um, uh, kind of just very talkative side, then we might see that uh, bipolar two, especially if they feel like they're not being heard, right? So this is really, really important for Geminis. If Geminis feel like they're not being heard, they're going to act out. Um, So we might see rage, we might see irritability, we might see temper tantrums, fits, um, things like that. So we could see things like um, anger management issues, we could see things like bipolar bipolar 2, we could see things like um, oppositional defiance disorder maybe, Um, although that might be really strong and harsh for a Gemini because in general, Geminis are very light. and kind of go with the flow-esque, more like actually, I guess, create the flow-esque. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of what we tend to see again um, with these air signs, those um, diagnoses of ADD, ADHD, um, 
not being fully there some of the time. So we might see things like that. Um, also, Geminis are, they can be risk takers. And so we might see things like gambling or addiction, very, very prevalent with Gemini. And especially because those are such, or can be such social things as well, especially the gambling, right? Going going out to a casino um, and then pair that with alcohol and drugs and et cetera. And you've got full-blown addictions going big time. Um, so yeah, addiction is a big one for Gemini as well. Um, so if we look towards the healthy side of Gemini, we can see a shining Gemini when uh, they're healthy. And that means that they capitalize on this ability to communicate and and their love to communicate. So we might see a Gemini who is just big into networking or big into talking out huge societal issues or helping to connect people together or... Um, maybe creating a podcast or um, writing music or anything to do with communication, truly. Um, so loves to communicate, great at networking, life of the party. Geminis are incredibly social. Um, so again, there's a balance to be found here, right? The shadow side of that might be that they come out of balance because they're around too many people, or we can oftentimes see Geminis who experience really severe depression if they don't have social interaction. So I've witnessed quite a few Geminis through COVID times having a really particularly difficult time, like more so than um, more so than the majority of other folks, which is saying a lot, right? And when I say Geminis, I don't just mean the sun sign. I also mean um, sun, moon, or rising. And I also mean um, uh, anybody who has prominent Gemini in their chart. So a lot of planets in Gemini or in a prominent place somewhere. Um, So yeah, watching out for that. Um, And yeah, they can be creative, outgoing, and that risk-taking can also be a really positive thing if they learn how to do it in a way that's healthy and managed. Um, So that's Gemini for you. So moving into Cancer, which is a water sign, and I personally believe that it is the most sensitive of all water signs. Um, They kind of keep everything really close to the chest. So with Cancer's the shadow is that they can become very easily codependent um, or they can also be people pleasers, putting other people or other people's businesses, etc., before themselves. Um, they also often take things very personally um, and they shut down easily if they feel like their emotional safety is threatened. And because of this, we can see a lot of... Um, anxiety in cancers. We can see a lot of depression in cancers. Um, We can see a lot of bipolar two in cancers, right? Because you have this like, especially if, um, and it's so interesting because it's, um, or even bipolar personality disorder, which is pretty rare, but still a thing. Um, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, right? Because with the cancer, they're so, it's so easy if they don't have a handle on their cancerian energy to just flip flop between being super trusting and then not trusting anything or anyone at all. And so what can happen is it can, it can be perceived as this bipolar two thing where it's like, they're happy, go lucky, um, 
maybe experiencing, um, you know, some sort of peace, etc. And then all of a sudden, flip the switch and that manic irritability comes in. Right. And and so they're like super irritable with people because they just don't trust them. And then as they push those people away, then they get really depressed. And so then that that's where that mania and depression comes from. I feel the need. I, I feel some people um, questioning what the difference between bipolar one and two are. So I just want to take a moment and shed the light on that for a second. Um, bipolar one is when the manic episodes are experienced as um, being really euphoric. And so this is kind of the quote classic type of bipolar polar disorder that we normally see in the TVs and TV and movies and all that stuff and albeit a lot of the times portrayed very poorly um although it's been getting better over time um yeah so this is where those manic episodes look like you know going on like major like I don't know, just like going out and doing wild things for no reason and getting really fixated on things. And um, if you've ever seen the show Homeland, they do a pretty good portrayal of bipolar one with uh, Carrie Matheson, uh, with her character, um, or Silver Silver Linings Playbook has a really, really good portrayal of bipolar one as well um, in all three of the the folks who have bipolar in that movie. Um, So those those are good ones to look at. Um, and that's what I was diagnosed with as well. So I'm pretty familiar with it. Um, so before, of course, now free of diagnosis, I just really like to say that at the end because it's such a nice punctuation mark. Um, but yeah, so that's bipolar one. Bipolar two, the mania is experienced as an irritability. So it might be like short, angry outbursts, or it might be, um, uh, just like really quick to get plugged in um, or it might be like a couple of days of just being super, super irritable and acting out and um, whatnot and then um, and then it's done. Um, also with bipolar one, um, the depressive episodes are not as long as with bipolar two normally. Um, and the depression is a lot more prominent in bipolar two than in bipolar one. So, um, of course, I'm general generalizing here. That's just kind of the general how things kind of are. Um, so coming back to cancer, um, we can see those diagnoses. We can also see avoidant personality disorder like no other day. Okay, this is like, <laughs> and this all has to go, this all, all has to go with that Cancerian energy of like just not feeling safe and needing to put a barrier between self and others. And so that's where we can see that um, APD coming in um, pretty strongly. Um, we can also see borderline personality disorder a lot with Cancerian folks too, for that exact same reason, right? It's like, pull me close, push me away, pull me close, push me away. Um, very easy to find that in Cancers. However, (laughs) if the Cancer is healthy, we can see them shining. And with that shining, they are the most open-hearted, blossoming, loving people ever. Like their hearts are so big. Cancer is so associated with this nourishment energy, with the mother energy, this taking care of. Um, 
And so we can see them being really loving and sensitive and very romantic and caring, interested in creating a safe and secure and loving environment for themselves and others. They're very compassionate and they're very good listeners. Cancers hold some mean space when they're in a really good, healthy Actually, honestly, even if they're not healthy, cancers are really, really good at holding space. Like even if their mental health is shot, they're still really good at holding space somehow. Um, And we see that if we, again, look at the shadow side, right? They're people pleasers or they, if it gets into the shadows, then they can very easily become codependent or people pleasers and put other people before themselves. And so what that could look like is um, basically becoming people's pseudo therapist, right? Because oh, hey, this is perfect because I can avoid my own personal issues and make you feel safe. And so that fulfills both sides of my needs here where I'm not having to dive deep into things that make me feel vulnerable. And I'm also able to feel like I'm in this dynamic that is vulnerable because you're sharing all of your stuff with me. And I'm also able to tickle my fancy by uh, providing a safe space for you and nourishing you in that way. So that's what I have to say for cancer. Um, Moving on to Leo. All right, so let's talk Leo here, folks. Leo is a fire sign, and it is the most boisterous of all fire signs by far. Um, So... Leos are very much the life of the party. They love the attention on them. They love to be seen. They love to show off. Um, uh, and and when I say be seen, it's not necessarily like the core of themselves, but they they really love to come into character in certain ways. So um, with that, we can see shadows for Leo. Um, if the focus is not necessarily on them, they could feel hurt. Um, this could cause them to stir up drama. Uh, we can also see shadowy Leos just stirring up drama anyways, just for fun or because that's how they know how to find the spark of light, essentially. Um, or excuse me, the spark of life. Wow, that was a Freudian slip. I guess someone needs to go do some work on that. Um, We can also find them being codependent, right? Because if Leos are constantly wanting somebody to be watching them um, and paying attention to them, we can see codependency bubbling up there really, really easily. Um, Same thing with controlling behaviors and overbearing behaviors. I need you to see me. I need you to look at me. I need you to watch me. I need you to celebrate me. Um, So we can see all of that stuff with Leo. Um, where we could see this all manifesting as symptoms of mental, of mental illness, um, lots of personality disorders here, y'all. So like I said, Leo loves to put on a good show and what, (laughs) what better way than to develop symptoms of a personality disorder or to develop a full-blown personality disorder. So, um, specifically we're going to see, uh, histrionic personality disorder really big time with Leo's, um, Histrionics are uh, the the histrionic personality disorder is all about essentially creating drama in a nutshell. That's what it is. Um, so we could see that um, with Leo's a lot um, playing up that drama, playing up the pretend, playing up the um, basically creating an alternate reality within this one. Um, we can also see them embodying by 
or well, yeah, actually, I was going to say borderline personality disorder. Um, that's also going to be very prominent in Leo's. Um, again, a little bit of that heightened drama. So um, with the bo- with the borderline, it's so much of that push pull and so much of that. Um, I want you. I you know. I want you. To, to pay attention to me really um, is so much about what borderline is about. And so um, we can see that there too. Um, definitely narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, we see that big time with a lot of Leos because again, it's like the focus is all on me. The focus should be completely 100% on me. So there's that. Um, I mentioned bipolar. Um, we can definitely see that with Leos and especially if they're, you know, especially bipolar one, seeing this kind of like heightened sense of, um, mania with, um, this like want to put on a play, put on a show, go out and adventure, go out and have fun. Um, and then the big crash that comes after that depression that comes after when maybe nobody's watching them or um, the all of the endorphins are gone really is, is what it is. I mean, that's the chemical of it. Um, so we can see all of that with Leo. Um, we can also see ADHD and ADD with Leo as well. Um, we can see um, dissociative identity disorder with Leo. And as we move deeper into the zodiac, we're going to see more signs um, that have traits that could lead to that. Um, but Leo is really the first one where... Um, I think it's pretty prominent that, yes, this is a possibility for this sign to experience this. Um, For those of you who are not um, familiar with DID, it's essentially the new um, name for multiple personality disorder. So, of course, this makes a lot of sense with Leo wanting to, like, put on a lot of shows and um, be the big personality and et cetera, et cetera. So if Leo gets so wrapped up in their alternate reality that they're creating that they like are um disembodying and bringing in alternate energies into their bodies and allowing those to basically overtake them and um etc uh then yeah there's your did for you um So what happens when a Leo shines and all of these uh turned shadow aspects become the light Um, What we see is that Leo is very fiery and outgoing. Um, They're the life of the party in a way that is conductive and productive and even very inspirational uh, rather than in a way that's destructive or narcissistic. Um, We can see them doing really big gestures. So gestures of grandeur, and we can see this in the shadow aspect as well, but Um, there it might be, you know, to heighten the drama, whereas with the shine aspect, um, those gestures of grandeur are really like just big gratitude. They're big gratitude and they just want to express this gratitude all the time. Leos are so talkative too. So that's also a thing. Um, we can see them being really creative, Leos are ultra hyper creative. And if they channel that energy in a very healthy way, it can move mountains, honestly. It's so big. Um, And because of that, they can also embody um, energies of being exciting and entertaining, full of life. And Leos also really know how to go after exactly what they want. Um, Which, if they're wounded children... um, 
if they were wounded as children in this department and they were like, oh my gosh, I know what I want. I'm going after it. And parents or peers or teachers or whomever was like, were like, you can't have that. What are you talking about? Like, you can't do that. And they're completely demoralized. That's where a lot of these kind of more maladaptive patterns can come from is, is them feeling like nobody truly sees them or nobody feels like um, they understand uh, or, or excuse me, nobody is really backing them to um, be able to go after what they want. Nobody really believes in them. Uh, so that's where a lot of these maladaptive patterns of attempting to um, hook people's attention and energy on them can come from. So moving into Virgo, which is an earth sign, um, the shadow aspects are that they can get so caught up in trying to keep things in order that the spark or the passion in whatever they're working towards can be lost. Um, because of this, they can also become controlling, overbearing, and obsessive. So um, with Virgo, the number one thing I see with Virgos hands down is anxiety. Like I have never seen ever, 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 ever before. Virgos running maladaptive patterning can experience crippling amounts of anxiety because they are constantly, if they're not grounded, constantly in their heads, constantly ruminating about the details and what would make this better and what would they make that better and how does this fit and how does that fit and what's the plan for this and what's the plan for that and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so anxiety is huge. Um, we can also see OD OCD manifesting here as well. We can sometimes see eating disorders with Virgo as well, especially with where that control stuff comes up, right? So trying to limit food or um, like a lot of anorexia showing up with Virgos, um, anorexia, um, and especially... So what, I, what I've tended to see is not only the type of anorexia that is um, starvation-induced, but the type of anorexia that is exercise-induced, so meaning they over-exercise. So um, instead of, you know, exercising five days a week for half an hour, an hour every day or something like that, they're exercising, you know, five or six hours a day or they're exercising every single day, multiple times a day or something. And so there's this fixation on the exercise. Um, that is actually a, another category of anorexia. So we can definitely see that with Virgos. Um, we can also see bulimia um, more so to the purging side than to the binging side. Um those are all things that can be manifested with that Virgo shadow side. Um, in addition to attempting to control others, um, which could come out as narcissistic personality disorder as well. Um, but what we have to understand is that Virgos are just uh, unhealthy Virgos are so wrapped up in their heads that oftentimes they just don't have the space to understand other people's wants and needs and the fact that there even is a space for that. Um, and so it's, it's their protection mechanism and it then shows up as NPD. Um, so I think those are all, those are all the types of, of things we can see in that shadow playbook of the Virgo, um, or Virgo heavy people, um, where we can see them shining is that they are excellent planners. Like they are the best planners of the Zodiac, um, with maybe Capricorn coming in second, um, but Virgos are incredible at planning. They're wonderful at strategizing. They pay extreme attention to detail that other people would 
probably miss. Um, and they're really, really good at keeping things organized. Um, so that's what we can see with Virgos. They kind of keep everything in line. And if they're healthy, they're really good at keeping things organized and helping themselves and other folks to stay on task, in line, motivated, and balanced. Um, so that's Virgo. All right, so that brings us to exactly halfway through the Zodiac, um, and we're about an hour into this episode at this point. So my gut is asking me to tune in, see where we're at, and what I'm understanding is that is an important it. Wow, see, I need a I need a break here. It is important. To close up this episode at this point, and I'm going to be doing a part two that I will be releasing next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So tune in for that. Um, but at this point, yes, closing this episode up, I hope that this was helpful for you and I hope to see you over in part two. And again, I want to encourage you, even if you already heard the stuff for your sun sign or your moon sign or your ascendant, please go through and listen to part two as well, because we all have every single one of the zodiac signs in our chart. So depending on where it's placed for you, these symptoms of shadow stuff or shine stuff are going to be showing up for you in some way, shape, or form. So it's really important to know it all um, so that you can understand yourself better and maybe see where some of these as aspects are showing up for you. All right, my loves, I will see you over at part two. Thank you so, 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 so much for tuning in. Again, if you appreciate this um, psychic education, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It was so, it is so, 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 so helpful for me um, and for others who are able to find this podcast then more easily because there are reviews on it. So if you would go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, um, that would be helpful. And of course, if you want to support the mental health revolution, donorbox.org slash doorway to self. I sincerely appreciate all of your donations and I wish and hope and spell that they multiply times three for all involved. And with that, I'll see you over on the other side, my dears. Take care. Happy listening and much, much love. Thank you so much for tuning into the Doorway to Self podcast, for helping to spread psychic education, and for being a part of the mental health revolution. I hope you have received exactly what you needed today for your personal growth, understanding, and healing. For more information on upcoming workshops, retreats, and online events, please go to doorwaytoself.com. Thank you, and have a beautiful rest of your day. Okay, okay, but y'all know I really want to advocate for you doing your own podcast too, so... I guess if you still want to stick around, you can also hear how you can use Anchor to create your own podcast. You're still here? You're still listening? Oh my gosh, I love you.